If you've struggled with stress, balance, or burnout, and simply feel discouraged or even defeated, and if you're ready to move from force to flow and enjoy ultimate Zen success in your career, health, or relationships, then the Zen Success Show is for you. Your host, Carissa Sims, is an entrepreneur, corporate consultant, best-selling author, meditation teacher, and healer who has found her own Zen success. Here's your host, Carissa Sims. Welcome to this week's episode of Zen Success. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Marcy Shimoff. Hi, Marcy. Hi, Carissa. So great to get to be with you. Yes. And where are you calling from or connecting from today? Just north of San Francisco, Marin County, California. Oh, yeah. That's beautiful. My grandmother lived in Tiburon for a little oh, while. I used to live there. And you, you do? Know, but I, I did. And I, I just love that I'm looking out my window right now. And we just, it's surrounded in acres and acres of trees and and nature. And that's what I love. And I know where you live too. There's so much beautiful nature. Yes. Yes. I I'm in Colorado, so it's wonderful. So for our audience, I want to share a little bit about Marcy. She is a number one New York times, best-selling author, a world renowned transformational teacher, and an expert on happiness, success, and unconditional love. And what I really love is the unconditional love that that's amazing. And something that I always try to practice with my kids when they're screaming at me, mm. her <laughs> good time to practice. <laughs> yeah. Right. The universe always gives us opportunities. Her books include the international bestsellers, happy for no reason and love for no reason. She has been featured in the movie, The Secret, and has her own TV show, Happy for No Reason. Welcome, Marcy. Yay. Thank you. So happy to be with you after interviewing you at the Global Oneness Summit with a number of your colleagues and friends. So it's great to reconnect. So I wanted to dive in with the Happy for No Reason. And when I think of that tagline or the title of your book, I really think of when I traveled internationally and sometimes saw people that might seem to be like, oh, why are they happy? They're poor or, you know, they're begging, but, but there was this joy that exuded out of them. And so that's kind of funny that that was coming up for me. What do you believe that everyone has the ability to be happy for no reason? I absolutely do. I believe that it not only do we have the ability, but that it is uh, our birthright. It is what we are here for. And I had a similar experience uh, when I was traveling. Um, I've traveled a lot internationally. I remember one time I was in India and I was traveling into this little village where you have to take a, you'd have to fly into the main city and then take a 10 hour train ride and then a okay. five hour bus ride and then a two hour truck ride. And yeah, I, I thought you were going to say a tuck tuck. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, one then, of those yeah. little 
Yeah, I do know those. But this was even farther away from Tuk Tuk's. Oh, there is. And we have to climb into these mountainous uh, little the little village. And the people had no material things and were so deeply, deeply happy. And I remember um, once Mother Teresa said that there is a hunger, a starvation in the West. And it's, it's not for food, but it's for spirit. It's for what matters in life. And I think that that's what so many people are missing. Um, and, and what I mean by happy for no reason, I just should define that. From yes, the start. please, please do. Because I don't mean that you walk around 24 seven with a silly grin on your face. And you're in you don't home. do that, right? No, I don't. I'm real. I'm, it's really about being in. It's not about being in denial. It's about mm-hmm. being with what is, but being with what is in, with a backdrop of peace and well-being that doesn't depend on your circumstances. That's what I mean by happy for no reason. I mean that whatever's going on on the outside, it may have, it, of course, it has an effect on us, but it doesn't take away that inner space of peace and well-being that is unconditional. It's unconditional happiness. And ultimately, it's that's what we're really all after. Because if your happiness is dependent on something, your success or your relationship or your anything, that's a very shaky foundation for success because that could go away in any moment. So we're talking about the real deal, unconditional happiness. And what's really cool about this is that it's been found that the more we have of that unconditional happiness, the more it actually attracts everything else we want in life. It attracts the success and the relationships and people who are happier on average live nine years longer. They're one third less likely to get sick. They make over a million dollars more over the course of their lifetime on average. So their relationships are better. It's just, you know, it's about, it's about rather than trying to extract your happiness from life, it's about bringing that state of happiness to your life. Mm. That's so amazing. And I love that you have this research to back it up. I mean, living nine years longer and making more money. So I want to go back to what you were saying about this like state of being and how this can attract more in your life. Can you share a little bit more about that? Is that talking about law of attraction or shifting your frequency or vibration? Yes. It's all about the energy. You know, Mm. everything in the universe, of course, we all know now at this point that everything's energy and science certainly tells us that, and that, that we, uh, we, we are at an energy, we are at a certain vibration level and based on whatever energetic vibration we are, we are constantly attracting to us based on that energetic vibration. We're also constantly perceiving our life based on that as well. And so this is why you can have somebody who has everything on the outside, but they're not feeling it inside. They're not, they're not, they're not enjoying it. You can have people who don't have the outer things, but they are enjoying that deep inner peace and well-being. And, um, you know, I, I, I would love if I can to just sort of share a little bit of my own experience with this. Oh yeah, sure. I would love that. And, and I was just going to say it, it brings to mind, 
sometimes, not that all celebrities are like this, but sometimes celebrities or billionaires, you think, oh, they have the best life. And then all of a sudden they commit suicide. You know, it's like, it's so interesting to me, um, that dichotomy. Yeah. I mean, if, if, if money and looks and success were the key to happiness, we would have a lot more happy people in Hollywood. Mm -hmm. We don't, but I I think, I think we all have learned that uh, to some degree that our happiness can't be gotten from the outside, but yeah, but sometimes we have to learn it in a hard way. And and I'd love to just share my own story. Oh yeah. Yes. I want you to do that. This is really, um, you know, this is your own journey, my own journey. journey. People always say, well, Marcy, you must've been born happy. And my answer is absolutely not. Absolutely not. Yeah, but I, even as a baby, maybe you were. No, yeah, maybe. <laughs> I actually think that I was born depressed. I, I, really? I, I joke that I came out of the womb with existential angst. Wow. And I now actually think I had great family. I had great parents. It wasn't that. I do feel now that I had either um, ancestral trauma, ancestral PTSD that I've been carrying, or Mm -hmm. maybe past life PTSD, who knows, I don't know. But I, I, I know that as a kid, I felt like there was this dark cloud around me. And I remember, I remember watching romper room uh, that ages me. Um, I watching romper room and, and all the kids are so happy. And I'm thinking, how can they be happy when they're suffering in the world? So my solution to my unhappiness, my depression as a kid was uh, sugar. Okay. Sugar addict. And that didn't help things because of okay. course, uh, the sugar made things worse. By the time I was in high school, I was about 35 pounds overweight. Mm-hmm. And so when I was in my twenties, I decided I am going to figure out what it takes to be happy. And I did what most people do. I set goals for myself. Mm. I I figured once I got those goals, then I'd be happy. And I set five goals for myself. And I'll just share them with you, Krista, because I think that a lot of people will be able to relate to this. Okay. And in your 20s. In my 20s. Keep that in mind. These were my five goals. I wanted to have a successful career helping people, Mm -hmm. a wonderful husband or life partner, fabulous friends, a comfortable home, and the equivalent of Halle Berry's body. So uh, can I just say one thing? If if anyone wants to pause this and get a pen and paper, pull over, (laughs) write these down. That's amazing. I love those goals. Those are what I thought I needed to be happy. Oh, okay. I'm like, that's what I thought I needed. Those those five things. And I got Maybe don't write them down then. Don't write those down. I got four out of the five. I don't have Halle Berry's body, but I do have a healthy body for which I'm grateful. So I worked super hard to get all my ducks in a row so I would have all those things. And I had a turning point moment. It was in 1998 and I had like gotten all all of it. And I had three books. I had just uh, written the uh, first Chicken Soup for the Women's Soul books, the first uh, books in the Chicken Soup for the Soul series. Yeah. And I had three books in the top five on the New York Times bestseller list at the same time. That's incredible. I had congratulations. Thank you. But I had just finished giving a speech to 8,000 people 
and I had autographed 5,432 books. And my client had hired a massage therapist to massage my hand so I could keep on writing. Oh my God. On one hand, I felt like an author rock star. But here's what happened. I, after autographing that last book, I went up to my hotel room, which was the penthouse suite that my client had gotten for me. I walked over to these huge windows overlooking Lake Michigan. I was in Chicago and I took in this amazing view on top of the world. And I turned around and I fell onto the bed and I collapsed into tears. And I collapsed into tears because I realized that I had everything I thought I needed in life to be happy. And I still wasn't. I still felt that emptiness that I felt inside when I was a kid. And I could no longer fool myself into thinking that just the next thing was going to do it. And that was kind of the end of the, the myth that we all live by. We all have some kind of myth, the myth of I'll be happier when. I'll be happier when this happens or that happens. We all have it. And I I do, I admit it. We all, we all do. And, and yet what I found is I dove deeply into the research on happiness. I interviewed a hundred unconditionally happy people. And I found, I started doing what they were doing and it started working and I became happier and happier. And I started sharing it with other people. I shared it with my 80 something year old mother at the time who had always been depressed and it worked for her. And that's why I got so excited about, about what's the formula here. How does anyone become happy for no reason? And I found that the only difference between happy people and everybody else is that they have different habits and, you know, and actually science has cracked the happiness code and we know scientifically what it takes for people to be happier. I think that should be headline news. I think that should be everywhere. Children should be taught this in schools. Okay. Can you give us some of these reasons or do we need to buy the book? Maybe. No, you don't need to buy the book. I'm happy to share with you (laughs) some practical things that you can do right away. Okay. Yes. Because, you know, what comes to me, the first thing that comes to me is meditating. I mean, I didn't get happy right away from that, but as I started to heal myself in layers, it it was a gradual uh, joy that that started to exude. So that, that, that was my um, experience. So um, I had a similar experience, but it wasn't just meditating that did it. Here's, I'm going to give you a little bit of science and then I'm going to give main things that will change your happiness set point. Okay. Okay. I'm a ready. little bit of science. And, and this to me explained everything. And that is that we all have what's called a happiness set point. Oh. And it's like a thermostat setting. And no matter what happens to us, whether it's good or bad, we will tend to hover around our thermostat setting unless we do something consciously to change it. Mm. And so this is why People, you know, who win the lottery, you think they'd be happy. They would be happier for a little while, but within a short time, they would return to their happiness set point. And same of people who have tragedies. It's the set point that's the key. So mm-hmm. here's how the set point is determined so we can change it. Yeah. Cause I was going to ask, does that work for money too? You know, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So the set point is only 10% your circumstances. Now, that's what everybody is so busy trying to change to be happier. Let's change those circumstances. Tiny, tiny piece of the pie. Not that important. 
Mm. It's 50% your genes, your DNA. Really? 50%. Wow. I was not born with good genes. So, but in just a minute, I'm going to tell you about that because it's not the end game on your genes. The other 40% is your habits of thoughts and behavior. And that's what you can really change to raise your happiness set point. And I'm going to take it a step farther. The 50% that's the genes. Scientists in the field of epigenetics, like Dr. Bruce Lipton, who study our genes, our DNA, and he wrote the biology of belief. So people in epigenetics have found that our genes can change or be influenced by our habits of thoughts and behavior, which means that 90% of our happiness set point can shift from shifting our habits of thoughts and behavior. And there are very specific habits that happy people have that other people don't have. Like great news, freedom, hallelujah. I don't have to work on changing those circumstances because I can work on changing these habits and Mm. and inevitably the circumstances will change. Mm. So shall we dive into what those habits are? Yeah, because I I am so excited. I'm like, I'm already trying to come up with the answers. I was like, I wonder if it's like releasing judgment, not being stressed, you know? So yes, I'm ready. Good good guesses. So I found (laughs) that there are 21 habits. Oh, awesome. 21 habits fall into seven main areas. And I'm going to go through these seven main areas with everybody. And what I do, this is where I invite you to take notes. Mm. I want you to write down these seven areas and think about which of these are you the weakest in. Mm. Where you want to start is where you're the weakest, where your Achilles heel is. Really? Okay. Yeah. So it's, you know, in some areas we want to focus on our strengths and have them grow. In this particular area, Mm -hmm. you want to look at where's your weakest link around happiness and then work with that because that's where Mm. your biggest shift. So I know that it's hard for anyone to remember seven of anything. (laughs) So I created a metaphor and I call it building your inner home for happiness. So a home has seven main components and it's got a foundation. It's got four corner pillars. It's got a roof and it's got a garden. And here's how that relates to the seven main areas of happiness that we're going to be talking about. The foundation is taking responsibility for your life and your happiness. Mm. It's recognizing that your happiness is not actually dependent on that thing outside of you changing. Wow. And that could be a person or where you live, your environment. Wow. That's pretty profound. Yeah. It's, it's what it is. It's a shift from being a victim in life a victim of our circumstances Mm -hmm. or being a victor or co-creator of our lives. And and of course we know there's three signs that we're in the victim mode and they are blaming others, shaming, which I didn't know this actually. Oh, okay. So blaming, shaming, and complaining. Oh, when you're blaming someone else, I can't be happy because my mother did that to me Mm. Um, or because my husband is such a, negative person, whatever. Okay. Shaming is blaming ourselves. Mm. And then um, uh, complaining, you know, the weather is so bad. How can anybody be happy today? You know? So all of those are victim roles and they're about not taking responsibility for our life. So that's the foundation. Yeah. 
Can I just say something here in regards to that? I realize that's a little bit ingrained into me from um, my environment growing up because I've just like, as soon as you said that, I was like, oh my gosh, sorry, mom. That's yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's, I was like, and, and, and sometimes I really have to work hard to catch myself not being in those uh, frequencies. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I mean, if we can get a little esoteric. Okay, sure. Esoteric here. Yeah, Um, why not? You know, I, I prefer rather than being in the blame mode, what I found is that happy people always believe that life is for them not mm. them life happens for their best benefit you know yes. einstein said the most important question we can ask is is this a friendly universe and everyone that i interviewed for who was unconditionally happy would answer yes to that yeah. that didn't mean that everything in their life worked out the way they wanted it to mm. but it meant that they believed that life was for them so if they had bad experiences when they were a kid or they didn't get the job or they, whatever it was, mm-hmm. it wasn't like they were a victim of life, but life was for them. So here's a question you can ask yourself. If you find yourself in this victim mode, oh my God, I had such a crummy childhood or, you know, my parents were my mother. I, how could I be happy? My mother wasn't, or, mm-hmm. you know, my, my partner left me or whatever, instead of being in the victim mode, just try on the belief that this is a friendly universe and a benevolent universe and that life is for you. And if life is for you, ask instead the question, if this is happening for me, for a higher purpose, what might that purpose be? Mm. You know, that's I'm- so beautiful. So that's what, how you can transmute negative experiences and say, what what is the lesson? What is the light? How can I grow from this or, or whatever it might be? And really to kind of, like just really wonder if this really, mm. if this is a loving universe. Yeah. And this is really for me. What is the gift in this? You know, I am getting this for a great reason. There is some beautiful lesson in this for me. If I, you know, didn't get that job, or if I am struggling with a certain fear, what is in it for mm. me? Oh, so anyway, that's, that's the foundation. Yes, so let's move sense. on to the others and we can go sort more deeply into them. I'll okay. do the overview first and then you will tell me where, where you want to go with Okay. It. So then there's the pillar of the mind and the pillar of the mind has to do with our thoughts. Do you have thoughts that support your happiness or do you have thoughts that, you know, tear down your happiness? Mm-hmm. Then there's the pillar of the heart. Now I have never met a happy person who had a closed heart ever. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Happy people are open-hearted. They come to life with kindness, generosity of spirit, forgiveness. They're quick to forgive. They're, they're loving. And that means to others and towards themselves. Sometimes it's self-love that really can, can uh, block our happiness. Mm -hmm. So, you know, ask yourself, Am I open-hearted, generous, kind, loving with others and with myself? Mm. And I wanted to say something that's coming up right now is that it's happiness is like 
authentic. It's, it's a real happiness, not like what society wants, not like to just like smile when someone's being mean to you, you still need to set boundaries. Don't let people walk all over you and just be happy. But I just wanted to say that it's a deep, authentic, true happiness, right? What a beautiful distinction you just made with that. Absolutely. Mm. It means that you have enough care and love for yourself that you create appropriate boundaries Mm -hmm. and you say, no, that's not right for me when it's not, you're not just people pleasing. That's not open-hearted. Open-hearted is open-hearted to yourself and to others so that you're caring for yourself in a way that's honoring. And that's where you can be authentic rather than Mart as a martyr. So that's a great distinction. Yeah. Thank you. And I just know the holidays are coming up and I just wanted to mention that, you know, because sometimes people on the outside could seem happy and then people, everybody around them thinks that they have a great life. Oh, they're smiling, but they're being the martyr, like you said. So, um, yeah. So they need to heal that and then love themselves so much to not be that. Yeah. And I think if we really feel into who do we love to be around the most Mm -hmm. really love on an ongoing basis, they are people who, who are vibrating Mm. at that, at that place of, of authentic love and authentic happiness. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. So then let's move to the other, the other two pillars and, um, the pillar of the mind, uh, no, I'm sorry. We did the pillar of the mind, the pillar of the heart, the pillar of the body. Do you have the biochemistry of happiness? Mm. Do you have enough serotonin, oxytocin, Uh. endorphins, dopamine? Happiness is a, is a biochemical experience Wow! in the neurology, you know, it's, and that's by the way, where I was the weakest my whole life. Interesting. Where I needed to start. Ah. And there are some very wonderful natural things that people can do to shift their biochemistry. We'll talk about those maybe after we finish the whole. Okay. We want to make sure we get the the groundwork, but I just love how you explained that um, because exercise is such a big part of my life. So that's the endorphins, but I, I guess diet, getting the other things so that your body can be more susceptible to happiness. Yeah. It's getting the right nourishment, nourishment, yeah. okay. like serotonin. I was low in serotonin and I'll share with you when we come back and circle back around, I'll okay. share with you a really simple and powerful way to raise your levels of serotonin. Oh, oh yes. We need yeah. that. Okay. Oh, yeah. Good, good. We'll, we'll come back to that. Okay. okay. So there's the pillar of the body. Then finally, there's the pillar of the soul. Okay. And that is our spirit. And it's about how connected we feel to the greater energy of the universe. I don't Mm. care whether you call it God or spirit or creative intelligence or nature or the divine doesn't matter, but it's that feeling of connection with the oneness of life. And, and Carissa, when you, when you started and you spoke about meditation, that's where meditation comes in. And certainly um, people who are happy have that feeling of being connected to that bigger energy of the universe. And that's not all we need though. That's the thing that that's, that's why you can find people who've been meditating for years and years and years. 
and they still don't have the deepest happiness because they have other things that aren't working for them in that in this area of these seven of our inner home for happiness. So that explains that. Oh, that's amazing. Okay, so now we can go back to serotonin or did not you quite wanna... yet? Not we yet. Still have oh, okay. two more areas. We've got okay. the foundation, four corner pillars, the roof, four corner. And the garden. Okay. So oh, the roof, okay. The roof is your purpose or passion in life. Mm. I believe that each of us are here on this planet for a reason. It's not an accident that we're here and we're each here for, for specific things. So are you living an inspired life? Are you doing what it is you are here on this planet to be doing? And by the way, that can change throughout your life. That doesn't necessarily stay the same. And so that's the sixth area. And then the seventh area is the garden of our inner home for mm. happiness. And the garden is who we're surrounded with. Are you surrounded by roses and gardenias, the people in your life that are that are uplifting, that make that you feel good around? Or do you spend a lot of time in weeds, you know, with with people who might drag you down or might be suffocating your own happiness? So I just want to review those seven areas and so that everybody can identify where are they the weakest. And mm -hmm. Carissa, I'm gonna have you be my guinea pig. So you okay. Um, so there was the area of the foundation was taking responsibility for your happiness, mm -hmm. not being a victim, but being a victor. There was the pillar of the mind, our thoughts, the pillar of the heart, our open heartedness, the pillar of the body, our biochemistry, the pillar of the soul, our spirit or connection to oneness. And then there was the roof of our home for happiness, which is our purpose or passion in life. And finally, there's the garden who you're surrounded with. So I'm going to put you on the spot. Where do you feel like you're the weakest? Uh, I would say, okay, except for this interview with you, my garden. Uh -huh. Who you're surrounded by. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And I have to say that I find that to be very common. Oh, okay. A lot of people. It's a very, very common one mm -hmm. because I would say the majority of people are quite negative. Um, I can talk about that in a few minutes. It's called the negativity bias, um, where yeah. we inherited our negative tendencies from our cavemen ancestors. Oh, we to remember the negative for the average person. Uh, we have 60,000 thoughts a day and 80% of those are negative. And so people are stewing around in this whole pattern of mm. our negative thoughts and beliefs. And so it's really important to spend time with people who are on the same wavelength of, of uh, you know, wanting to live a happier and, and I call it a more miraculous life. Okay. And that's why I think these days people are looking for community mm. for their tribe yeah, uh, you know, a, a group of people who can be uh, uplifting and live in this uh, understanding that we can create a, a higher energetic vibration and be around that. So you yeah. are not alone. <laughs> okay, you good. Know, you are so not alone. Okay. And do you have a community? Are you, do you help people with this? You have a community? Absolutely. I have, yeah. uh, you know, I recognized about 10 years ago that I wasn't just happy, but I was waking up every morning feeling like I was like, life was miraculous. Oh. Like I was um, in this place of just flow. 
where things were showing up. I'd think about somebody and they'd call or I'd need an answer for something and the email would come in or I'd get an offer for something that was just like, oh my God, that's fantastic. Or, (laughs) you know, you'd you'd need a certain, uh, you know, people want to, they need, one example I give is somebody needs $1,200 to pay for something and they get a check out of the blue in the mail for $1,200. You know, that's what I call being in the miracle zone. And I realized that there were certain things that people could do to live more in the miracle zone. And I created this community called your year of miracles. Um, It's a year long program and, and people there's 5,000 people in from 87 countries that are part of this. And they have small group of, of seven, eight people where they're in a collective that are where everybody's intentioning each other's intentions. So I've really found that there's power in collectively us raising our energetic vibration. And that's Mm. why I I put together that year of miracles program. Oh my gosh. That's incredible. I love that. Okay. So now is it time to go back to the serotonin? Okay. Absolutely. Okay. But everybody check that out. Um, her year of miracles program, and that can be found on your website. Yes. Your year of miracles.com is okay. Wonderful. That makes it easy. We, okay. we started always uh, towards the very beginning of the year. So Ooh, it's um, coming up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. So um, so here's what I've found about serotonin. Serotonin can be certainly built by uh, by certain by foods we uh, we eat, by uh, herbs that we take. But I'm going to tell you right now a super easy way to raise your serotonin. I learned this from a Chini song master. Uh, it's oh, gong and it's in it's working with energy and what it's he like says, qigong i've never heard like of that. qigong she mm-hmm. needs song it focuses on the uh the belly and the whole digestive system mm. which is also um very related to serotonin um fascinating so here's what the uh gilles marine is his name he taught me uh and that is it's it's called a sunning meditation And what you do is you go out and stand in the sun. And I'll tell you what to do when there's no sun there. You're lucky you're in Colorado where it's sunny 300 days out of the year. But uh, I'll tell you what to do when you don't have sun. So what you want to do is you want to stand outside in the sun and face the sun with your eyes closed. Super important. I want to emphasize that. You're going to close your eyes and face the sun. And you're going to allow the energy, the sun's beam, energy beams Mm. to come in towards through your closed eyelids and hit into the center of your forehead, which is the pineal gland. And you imagine the rays of the sun warming up and feeding the pineal gland. Mm. And then you can even imagine it going down throughout your whole body. And you do this for about two minutes, ideally twice a day. And doing oh, really? it two minutes, twice a day, within one week, it will reset your serotonin levels. And wow. here's what's really cool. When your serotonin levels are reset, that also resets, it impacts your melatonin levels. Your melatonin affects your sleep. So when you have more serotonin during the day, you produce more melatonin, which helps you sleep better. And when you sleep better, you're also, it creates greater happiness. So you wake up in the morning happier and that helps produce more serotonin. So serotonin and melatonin are this cycle that work together to create greater happiness in your system. 
Oh my gosh. That's amazing. I've heard of sunning before and I don't do it methodically. I will just do it occasionally, but I didn't know the benefits and how you explained it. It just felt good. And someone talked about it, but they didn't say it like in the way you said it. I thought it was good for like your circadian rhythms to like start your day like that. So, so is there a certain time of the day or it doesn't matter? It doesn't really matter. Um, just do what's convenient for you twice a day mm-hmm. with the sun. Now, if you don't have sun, first of all, if it's cloudy, but there's some sun's rays coming through, that will still work. You can okay. imagine focus on those rays coming in, but if there's, if it's raining or there's just no sun, what you can do is it's not quite as effective, but you look at nature for two minutes, something beautiful in nature. So it could be beautiful flowers, or it could be, I look out at the window and I see trees, just focusing on something beautiful in nature for a couple of minutes will also help reset the serotonin. And in that case, you do it with your eyes open. Oh, wow. (laughs) That's an amazing alternative. I love that. Yeah. Because there is like a sense of peace. Uh, it, you know, it's a lot, I don't know it. You're right. It does feel a little bit different. I, I, I don't do it like as a practice, but just occasionally something will catch my eye and I'll just be with it. Like almost like meditating, like just like appreciating its beauty. Yeah. It, it's, it's quite remarkable because just sitting with something that's beautiful, this nat nature, because nature naturally nature is a serotonin booster. You know, we've, feel better when we go for a walk in nature. That's um, true. And and so nature itself uh, builds the serotonin, uh, but just looking at something that's of nature, even a beautiful plant can help raise the serotonin. So those are, that's just a simple thing. I, I, I'm going to give you one other really simple thing to help the serotonin melatonin okay. cycle that people right. may not know. And this is based on Eastern medicine, both on, um, on Chinese medicine and Ayurveda, which is okay. Canada of East India. And according to uh, um, both Chinese medicine and Ayurvedic medicine, we have cycles during the day. And in, in Ayurveda, it's called Vata, Pitta, and Kapha cycles. Okay. And what you want to do is you want to go to sleep. Try this as an experiment. Go to sleep three nights in a row before 10 p.m. At okay. 10 p.m., we shift into what's called the Pitta cycle. And the Pitta cycle is very active and very fiery. If we can go to sleep or just get in bed be right before 10, we get we, we don't go into that overactive cycle. Or and even the, earlier, right? I yeah, mean, even earlier if you want. If you can. <laughs> You're like, I don't know why anyone would. <laughs> but the yeah. hours of sleep yeah. between 10 p.m. and 2 a.m. are the most healing hours of sleep. Now, a lot of people get a second wind, you know, around 1030. Oh my God, I power through and I guess that so happens to yeah. me. Yeah. That's because of the Pitta cycle. Pitta oh. is active. You're getting clear and fiery, but it's better to actually use that time to replenish and restore during 10 p- between 10 PM and 2 AM. So just try it out. You don't tell, don't take what I'm saying, you know, just yeah. use your own life as an experiment. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's amazing. I love that. And uh, hopefully people could sleep better too, right? If they can get to sleep during those hours is maybe more restorative. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, so, and then sleep, I mean, there's all sorts of research on sleep. So what about uh, mental health practitioners or doctors? Are they starting to buy into these practices and, and research for either sunning or nature? They are all of the things that I talk about in happy for no reason, these 21 happiness Mm -hmm. habits, they all have a scientific background uh, basis to them. Everything Mm -hmm. we are really finding what works. In fact, can I give you a couple of scientific things that work our thoughts? Yes. I love being practical. You know, I think this is, is where the the road for people is the practical. And I'm giving you a bunch of things. And what I'm going to ask everybody to do is just pick one. Mm. that we do that at the end of our time together today, just pick one yeah. and try it out and see what happens. Yeah. So let's go back to the ones about the thoughts because really so many people get tripped up in the, in our thoughts. As I said, mm-hmm. for the average person, six, we have 60,000 thoughts a day and 80% of those thoughts are negative. Um, it's often referred to as the Velcro Teflon syndrome. Our minds are like Velcro for the negative, but Teflon for the positive. The negatives just stick to us like Velcro. I'll give you an example. If you get 10 compliments in a day and one criticism, what do you remember at the end of the day? Yeah. Most people, they think about the criticism. Right. That's why I try not to read all the comments on my social media. And um, yeah. (laughs) I know, I know it's, it's tricky. We get hooked into the negative. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying that we don't acknowledge what's there. Yeah. But we don't, for most, the most part, we don't need to focus on it. We mm. don't need to reinforce it. Yeah. So happy people have reversed this Velcro Teflon syndrome and they've learned how to Velcro the positives to them. So I'm going to give you three scientific steps to help you learn to Velcro the positives to create new neural pathways in the brain for the positive. That's what we want wow. to do, new neural pathways in the brain. The That's first great. step is to be on the lookout for the good. Yeah. On the lookout for the good. Instead you know, of the opposite. Exactly. We have 11, 11 billion bits of information that comes our way every second. And we only focus on what it is our, we're used to. So what we want to do is we want to start creating a new used to in the neural pathways. And so the first thing is you look, look, look for the, look for, be on the lookout for the good. One of the people I interviewed for happy for no reason pretends that she's the Academy Awards committee and that her job is to give out 10, five Academy Awards a day. So she'll, she'll be walking along and see a cute dog and go, oh, that dog gets the cutest dog of the day award or see a, you know, a act of kindness and say that gets the act of kindness award. Oh, pretend you're out to give out Academy Awards, you know, right oh, now, that's give an Academy Award for today, you know, mm. so that's step number one. Step number two is that you savor it for at least 20 seconds. So instead of just noticing it, like, oh, that's a pretty sunset, you actually take it in for 20 seconds, you look at it and say, oh my God, that's so beautiful. And you you ingest it as you would a delicious dessert because it takes 20 seconds for it to register enough to start creating a new neural pathway in the brain. Interesting. And then the third step is that you go for a three to one ratio, three positives for every one negative. Okay. So something 
a negative thought comes, you want to look for three additional thoughts to change that. Okay. That's right. Now, if it's something that needs your attention, you pay attention to it. Okay. So it's like a negative thought comes. The first thing you say is, is this just an old pattern that I don't need? Or is it something that needs my attention? If it mm-hmm. needs your attention, you attend to it. Yeah. You know, the house is on fire. Okay. Let me attend to that. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. It's negative, but yeah. you got to do it. It's necessary. Right. So it's right. about discerning. Where is this just an old, not needed pattern? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, and, and what you said is also healing, having that awareness that you are thinking a negative thought because sometimes people just don't have that awareness. It's just like getting bombarded on them and that's how what they're used to. So, I mean, just like what you said, that technique in shifting, okay, is this something I need to act on or can I just move on? That's like amazing right there. Yeah, it really is. And, you know, I know that, I know that the people um, Carissa, who are listening to this and who are here with you, you know, I know, I recognize that we've all, we've done our, we've done some work. We've, we we're here we're on a spiritual path of yeah. some sort We're we're really, um, you know, we're, we're open. And I, I want to say something about that because I recognize that some of these things seem very basic and simple. You know, it's like, oh, come on. I know that I've heard that before. It's not about what we know. It's about what are we doing? And what I've found is that simple shifts in our habits can totally catapult our lives into a different flow. You know, I believe that we are all here to live miraculous lives. It is the time on the planet. We are the people. If you're listening to this, it's because there's something that's been awakened in you. You know, it's your time on the planet to be living a miraculous life. And it's it's what I'm seeing is that people are stepping more and more into what I call living in the miracle zone. Mm. What I mean by living in the miracle zone is living in that place of flow and spontaneous support of desires. It's different from living in what most people are living in, which is what I call the mediocre zone. Yeah, life is okay. It's all right. <laughs> but it's not what we're meant for. We're meant for that place of just living in, in the zone. Mm-hmm. And I am seeing person after person after person shifting their lives more to living in the zone. And it's thrilling to me. Oh, that's amazing. Well, I mean, I would just like to say, I don't, feel like it's all basic what you're saying because you are putting research behind it and you're also putting a time so you're saying okay for the sunning for example twice a day for two minutes that's when you start to see the results it's not just about that moment of appreciating beauty it's the 20 seconds it's the two minutes so I feel like that is so valuable for our audience and, and just inspiring too. what you're saying, being in the, the miracle zone. Yeah. I mean, it really, it's about shifting our habits and, and we, we see most of life. All we have to do is look around us and most people are not living that way. And so if we have that call inside, if there's some spark that says, I know that that's true. I know that, you know, I I believe it's not an accident that people are here right now listening. 
If your soul, if you're listening to this, your soul called you to this conversation. And it's because there's something inside that's saying, I am ready for more. I am ready to live in a, 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 a more open, expanded, energetic vibration on this planet. Woohoo. Yes. Now, I think I know the answer to this, but I'm going to ask anyway, what is Zen success to you? Oh, what is Zen success to me? Zen success is living completely aligned with my soul. Mm. Being completely in alignment with, uh, with what I am here to be doing and doing that from a place of open heartedness and love and allowing the uh, life to unfold based in that it's um, it's really living in what I call the miracle zone. Yeah, so I was like, okay, maybe it's like what she just said. It is. It's living in that state of flow. Yeah. Life is working. Oh, yes. Favor. I'm in flow, and and I am I am fulfilling what I am here on this planet to be doing, and I feel it through the cells of my body. Mm, that's amazing. Well, what's next for you? Well, I excited I, about next, what I'm excited about is I'm excited about. Uh, my new, the new uh, year, year of miracles program. Uh, this is our 11th year going into the program and we have new thing. It's just phenomenal. We have, I'm, I, I co I have co-teachers with me. I'm co-teaching with Dr. Sue Mortar and Lisa Nichols and Mike. Wow. <laughs> and Lynn twist. Oh and my Lisa God. It's just, it's sort of, I call it the miracles dream team. Wow. And, uh, that's incredible. I, just, I know I'm thrilled. It's like, wow, I get, this is so, and, and, and thousands and thousands of people from all over the world, creating this container for all of us to live our most miraculous lives. That's what I'm excited about. Oh, wonderful. That's amazing. Well, it's been such a pleasure reconnecting with you after the Global Oneness Summit and hearing about your journey and all these incredible tips you gave our audience. Wow, there's so much value here. I just love it. And I'll put your website in the show notes. So thanks for being wonderful. on my show today. Thank you for inviting me. And I I, I want to just, if I may, end with one thought. Yes. I'm often, I'm often asked by people, isn't it selfish to want to be happier, you know, or to want to live a miraculous life? What about the rest of the world? Mm. You know, don't we have to take care of that? And my answer is that it's the least selfish thing that you can do mm. because when you are living your uh, happiest, most light filled life, that is how we can most contribute to this world. And there's a beautiful Chinese proverb that I love to share. That of course. That up. It, it goes like I love this. it. When there is light in the soul, there will be beauty in the person. When there is beauty in the person, there will be harmony in the house. When there is harmony in the house, there will be order in the nation. And when there is order in the nation, there will be peace in this world. And my prayer and my wish for every single one of us is that we know that light in our own souls. We know that happiness in our own lives. And through that, we create more peace here on this planet of ours. Mm. I just got really moved. <laughs> Thank you for all of who you are. Thank you, Chris. Many blessings. Blessings to everyone. Thank you. 
That's it for today's episode of Zen Success. Head on over to iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you listen to shows. Subscribe to the show and share with friends. Be sure to head on over to zensuccessshow.com to help you on your Zen Success journey. And join us on the next episode. May you find your own Zen success in life.